Hey y'all, you're listening to Trans Talk Raw. I'm Nikki Marie Dawn, and fortunately, I'm with my co-host, the Southern Lass, Terry Ellen. This show is about our lived experiences being trans women, the experiences of others, tons of info, current issues, and well, have some pretty cool guests on the show too. This is episode 18, and we're talking about the girl juice and the changes to your bod you would never expect, and a subject you will rarely hear about, pelvic tilt. So let's get after it, shall we? Then we get ourselves into trouble. No, I said pop a top. Pop a top. Oh, pop a top. What do you mean pop a top? What is that? Pop a top? Uh, it generally means the pop a top of a beer. Pop a top. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought you meant it was some kind of, sort of a Russian name. Either, either a can or a bottle. Pop a top. Okay. Pop a top. All right. So we'll pop. pop how about if we pop the top off of this top pick and get started with today's show? <laughs> well, all right, then. All right, then. So everyone, it's great to have everybody on board. Yes, this is Trans Talk Raw, as you heard in the introduction. Guess who's with me finally? She's back with the living. Yeah. It's yeah, out of the dead. She's living. Yes, it's yeah. a lovely Terry Ellen decided that she would uh, like to join me tonight, which is great. Uh, nice to have you back after all of the uh, nice, hustle nice to and, be hustle back. and everything that you yeah. have gone through. Been a busy through. week. Busy, 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 all kinds of shit and all that. Yeah, it's been a busy week and it's been a lot of other shit that's been going on too. But we don't want to go down that highway right now. We're going to try to stay on the roadway and topic that we. No, the highway to hell. We don't want to go down there. No, we were, yeah. Okay, exactly. little boy. So, tonight's topic, we are going to be discussing hormones, um, blockers, hormones, hormones, hormones. Hormones. Okay. Hormones. Yeah, so that's another topic. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. But we're gonna we're gonna be talking about hormones. Well, we, you never know where it goes with us. We could end up in the gutter in no time. But it's just the way it is. Pull us out of the gutter. Um, so yes, we're gonna be talking about hormones. We're gonna be talking a little bit about pelvic tilt tonight. Ooh, baby. Yes. Hey, now I said get your mind out of the gutter. Um, you said it was in the gutter. Oh, I don't know. Just you said, "Oh, baby." So it just coming back in the bedroom. That's that it was you were going down that road again, and it was like, "Okay, okay well, fine. If you're going down that road, just let me know." So I okay, get on with it. Oh, okay. Stop nattering. God, jeez. And we'll be talking about the lovely progesterone and what we think and feel is the potential uh, possible things that could occur uh, and happen. What we've kind of gone through. Um, you know, there's no obviously scientific, scientific proof in regards to what progesterone actually does to the body, but yeah, our personal That's experience. five different doctors, you'll get five different opinions. Yes, you will. You'll definitely get five different opinions. And a lot of people will say that it's totally hokey and it doesn't mean anything yet in turn to, um, with the girls that we've kind of talked to plus our own personal because I've seen differences in that yes. sort of thing. And, and as in everything else, your mileage may vary. Yes, exactly, exactly. So let's get started with hormones. I mean, constant mantra of our community, right? It's right. Yeah. So let's get started with hormones. And so what we talk about with hormones is we've got obviously injections, we've got pills, we've got gels. Um, you know, I did I did do a, a daily podcast. We're going to refresh a little bit on this one too. Implants so to be. That's another interesting one uh, when we talk about implants. So let's get started with that in regards. And of course, we're not talking about breast implants or any of that. We're talking about actual implants under the skin 
uh, blockers and all of that. And uh, I usually not blockers. I haven't heard of blockers too much being implanted, but definitely hormones, estrogen. Yeah. So under uh, the skin, that is an interesting uh, way to be able to do it. Um, progesterone would be a great one. I haven't heard someone actually having progesterone implanted, but that would possibly solve sort of the half-life issue we have with progesterone since it half-life in the body is so short. Um, taking pills, unless you do it just round the clock, almost it's hard to maintain a level. Yes. Without it being high and then precipitously dropping off. Mm-hmm. Right. So with with the with the with hormones, um, we obviously you know it's going to be a high and a low uh, depending on the time frame that you're taking injections. Yeah, we can cycle daily in our hormone oh. levels depending oh. on our dosages We're going on. You We're know, all over the place. Uh, there's. No. No- I think estrogen is easier to maintain orally uh, than progesterone is. Um, that's probably the easiest way to maintain a constant level in your body is through oral ingestion. Uh, and then, of course, injections come after that. I'm guessing implants would provide a very level um, constant concentration as well, but I haven't seen a lot of information as far as like blood work on implants. Have you? I haven't seen too much on implants. Um, it's it, something that, you know, I mean, when I think about implants, one of the only people that I've known, at least uh, from a uh, celebrity basis, is Jess Jennings, because she was doing... Oh, she was? I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, so there was implantables with what she did, but she ended up having some issues along with that, with uh, irritation and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, levels... Because she's got really good breast development, better than her... Natal sister. Yeah, definitely. Which is um, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting, but the other side of that too is, is that she was on blockers as well, you know, and uh, I think that. Yeah, but a cis girl doesn't need blockers. So it's no, kind a cis girl doesn't thing. need blockers. It's but still, it, it, for a trans girl to get better breast development than her natal sister is a different thing. You know, yeah, yes. there, there's, there's certainly. Um, it, it, that is the difference, and I guess that really what that does is just goes to prove that we just really don't have the research or information or knowledge base in order to be able to understand why that potentially might be in individuals. It could However, be genetics, at, roll, of the, roll of the dice within a given family. I mean, I have better development than my natal sister did. Yeah, so you're a living proof there that that's also the case and true. You know, which is odd. It is odd. You're grateful, though, that that was the case. No question. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, my sister was quite petite. My natal sister was. She was like five foot two. Five foot two, blonde, and eyes of blue. Mm. Um, and she was maybe a B cup. Maybe a B cup. Maybe a B cup. If I, if I had my... If she had the breast development I do as far as actually volume of breast on her body, she would have been huge. She'd been like triple D probably or bigger. Right. She would have been just huge. Well, small frame, right? I mean, the breast right. and everything is completely Very small different. frame. She was petite. She wore children's size shoes because she couldn't find shoes in the adult size this small enough to fit her feet. 
uh, her feet were the length of my hand. Her shoes would fit from the tip of my finger to the bottom of my palm. And what is that, about six or seven inches then? Yeah. Just a little bitty feet. Yeah, so very small feet. Very small feet. Very petite. Yeah. So, and again, how much of that can you relate to hormones? How much of that can you relate to progestogen? Because obviously um, we've both taken progestogen. I'm back on it right now. Again, I did take a break from it for a while. Um, I think how much did that actually affect um, breast development? Um, yeah. And you have breast implants. So it's like, why are you on progesterone? Most trans women take it for breast development, period, primarily. Right. That is why we get on it for the most part. Yes, and so the reason why I went on it, so remember, I've gone on it. Um, I was at about the 18-month point um, being on hormones, and then I started to take progesterone because I felt I was trying to see that if it would actually stimulate breast growth. Yes, the yoga. Um, and, it, and I did it for like five solid months, and really I had no change whatsoever. Uh, in regards to the breast, and that's obviously why I wanted the breast implant. Um, the reason why I went back on to progesterone, though, was because of the uh, moods, libido, uh, and I wanted to see an experiment with that because I was feeling an energy, um, and I was feeling a little bit down and all of that. Now, here again, there's reports out there that say what, that when you do progesterone, um, you can actually get tired. And so there's varying reports out there for varying, from varying doctors that see different things, which is normal. That's kind of how we gain research, right? Everybody does a whole ton of research. You get different results. You bring it together. You figure it out, okay, what, you know, the commonalities are. And, and, and of course, you can duplicate research results, which can be problematic in dealing with people because of the huge variabilities in biochemistry genetic variability in how people metabolize hormones, how their body uses it. There are so many variables that are difficult to account for in comparing results from one person to another. That's a problem. Yeah, and that, that is a big one. So in my case, um, I have found now that I've been back on progesterone for the amount of time that I have, my mood is up. My energy levels are up. Um, I'm feeling better in, in a lot of ways. So just in that alone, it has been proven that it feels like it's really doing something positive for me. And I will continue to do the progesterone just because of those factors. Um, you know, and then the other funny thing too is, is that when I started to take them about a week and a half after starting to take them, guess what? The nipples were nice and sore again. And so now that has diminished a little bit. Um, but I, I, I mean, as I push the girls right now. Um, yeah, there's still some tenderness there. So we'll have to wait and see if the mixture between estrogen and the progesterone actually do anything. Now, there's another thing. Do, does progesterone with estrogen create states, or is it purely they work on a separate entity type thing? What do you think? I think they tend to be synergistic. Pregnant women, cis women, when they get pregnant, they're both their estrogen levels and their progesterone levels go up in tandem. Whereas in their cycle, most times estrogen levels are low when the progesterone levels are high and vice versa. 
they're not up at the same time. So when they become pregnant, they do. And of course, pregnant women get bigger boobs, uh, sometimes quite, quite a bit larger, a couple of sizes, as the milk ducts really fill out, get ready for lactation that occurs at the end of a pregnancy. So there's some evidence that there is some tandem synergy that goes on in, in breast development, but uh, a lot of that also goes away once the pregnancy is over and the, and the cis female stops lactating. We, of course, as trans women can lactate as well, and we can duplicate the hormonal environment that a pregnant woman goes through and lactate. We can nurse feed, breastfeed. We can breastfeed. Um, you know, just as well as a natal woman can. So, um, and it, it takes, of course, a certain hormonal regimen to create that in us since we don't, don't have a uterus and, and can't become pregnant. But it is still possible. We have all the physical structures uh, just like the natal woman does. Every human has breast tissue, period. doesn't matter what your uh, chromosomal gender is or the your birth sex or anything. If you're human, you got boobs. It's just a question of have they been acted upon by the appropriate hormones to do what nature intended, which is to provide milk to young. But in my case, uh, progesterone did aid in a bit of breast development. I probably got at least a cup extra growth after starting progesterone. Um, I really didn't notice much in the way of mood changes. Um, I did notice when I experimented a bit with dosages, I did cycle some just to see uh, what effect that would have on me. I did, would do like 10 to 12 days out of the month and double my progesterone dose uh, to see if that did anything. Uh, the only effect I really saw was maybe made me a little more short-tempered. <laughs> mm. uh, patient level kind of went down a little bit on lots of progesterone uh, and, and, and would bite your head off in a, in a minute. Uh, other than that, I really didn't notice much. I didn't get a kickstart in breast development. I didn't get any added breast development in doing that. And I just went back to the normal 30-day regimen. So um, maybe some aided um, fat transmigration from the abdominal area uh, to the hips and thighs might have enhanced that a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, Measurement-wise, I couldn't really say uh, from actual measurements that, that occurred visible, sort of looked like it did. Right. But yeah, yeah. my knowledge wasn't very much, unfortunately. Yeah, because then I mean, in tune to, I mean, uh, estrogen does definitely have uh, the potential to be able to do start doing fat redistribution. So obviously, oh yeah, that that more than anything probably. But you know, pregnant women uh, definitely have much different fat distribution and much fat uh, put down on the thighs and hips and buttocks. Mm -hmm. um, which those fat stores are laid down primarily for milk production. Correct. And studies show that the best way to get that extra weight that was laid down during the pregnancy off is the lactate. Yes. So you want to lose weight? Lactate. 
That's right. Yeah. Then then you're going to lose it like crazy, right? <laughs> the new weight loss. Well, well yeah. I mean, I think about it. Now. I mean, it's a lot of fat and a lot of other stuff that's coming out of your body. And mm-hmm. um, I know my wife when she breastfed our son for a year, and she got just pencil thin. Just looking back at the pictures of her mm-hmm. it, when he he was a year old, and she was just like almost anorexic. That was. And remember that at the time, but looking back at pictures, it's like holy shit. So yeah, he literally sucked the weight off of her. Right. Yeah. And the thing is too, like when we talk about hormones and stuff like that, um, we have to be very worried too, because obviously with hormones uh based depending on your diet, you can start to gain a fair significant amount of weight if you don't watch it. And again, that's something that you have to be aware of when you're on hormones that you can gain weight. I I didn't gain weight on hormones. I gained weight when I played around with phytoestrogens. I gained weight on those. Okay. It came off when I got on the real thing, which I did not expect. Yeah, so that's that, something. That was something I didn't. I didn't expect to gain weight on the phyto ones. Yeah, I did. Like 20 pounds. And when I went on um, bioidentical hormones, it came off. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that we should uh, just quickly point out as well. Um, there are a different, couple of different types of progestogen that you can get. One being that is synthetic and that can create and cause some pretty big health. Yeah. Yeah. I don't how to pronounce that word yet. Yeah. You don't want to be on that. You yeah, do not you, want to be on that. Yeah, you want to be on bioidentical. I think that's one. Bioidentical, the, the synthetic stuff is known for its depressive states, can make you suicidal, does not have the benefits of bioidentical progesterone. The other stuff, the um, synthetic stuff is progestins, which are not yes. the same thing. They do not do the same thing. No. Do not let your doctor put you on those. Well, and that's the surprising thing because they're still um, they're still available. Matter of fact, yeah, this, doctors. You know, I know several girls that are on it and won't listen to me. Uh, I was like, these you, are bad. These are bad. Yeah, and and Just it's not about them. They're bad. I know, and it, the, the the surprising thing is, is that we're not telling individuals to come off of them and not take them. We're talking about just getting a different type. Yeah, That's get it. on the real it, stuff. It's not going to do anything outside of the fact of save your bloody ass. It's really what uh, it's going to down Yeah, but, uh, um, there's more physical problems. There's more mental issues. They're not what you need to take. It's not what you're looking for. It doesn't aid in breast development. It really doesn't do shit for a trans woman. So. Right, exactly, right. So it really, you shouldn't be prescribed to a cis woman either. No, they shouldn't. And that's one of the things like because and another thing, too, in in Canada and the U.S., um, you can literally buy uh, hormones, uh, estrogen gel anyway. Uh, Most women will buy it right off the counter because you can use it for hot flashes and that sort of thing. But progesterone is also sold right over the counter. You don't need a prescription. for. Yeah, you don't need you can buy progesterone over the counter anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not going to be in the concentration that a prescription compounded formula would be. But if you wanted to use it three times a day, uh, you can get the same level out of over-the-counter. You don't need a prescription oh, yeah, for exactly. progesterone. 
you know, and so, and I actually did that early on when I was self-medicating. I did some um, creams just to, I don't know, play around. <laughs> well, and, and that wouldn't hurt me. So it's like, what the fuck? Well, and, and when we take a look at it too, so, and the reason why I wanted to just bring that up really quick um, in regards to buying stuff over, over the counter in Canada and the U.S., uh, is the fact that there are a lot of individuals right now due to the laws and everything that's going on and not being able to actually buy stuff. There is that option that where, and I, you know, Canadian drugs is one of them that you can go to the website. Um, you don't have to say you're male, female, or otherwise, you just go in and you buy the stuff and away you go. Um, so if you are an individual that is having difficulty finding a doctor to prescribe, then not You can it. order it. Yeah. You can self-medicate. And it is possible. And please, please do it responsibly. If well, you choose and, and, out, you can kill yourself by taking too much. Definitely. Or and, it's not better. Right. And so the only thing that you can say to that is, is that if you are going to do these types of drugs, uh, over-the-counter drugs, especially estrogen and uh, progestogen, you can get online blood tests done. And there's yeah, no reason you can why order them. You, you, could, you can just order it. You can get, you know, say, okay, I want this tested and I want this tested. And you know for sure that if you're in around the 400 range, mm-hmm. um, you know, you want to be in around that 400 range uh, for estrogen. Uh, the progesterone, you're not going to have any type of a reading, uh, basically by blood test or blood work. Uh, but the estrogen is definitely important to stay in that 400. And the thing that people should also remember too is the fact that, when you are doing hormones, any type of gels or anything along those lines, if you start to do too much, it actually can be um, a, a negative instead of being a positive. So it's going to go against your femininity and start to build of it, and it's going to create other issues that can potentially happen. Yeah, there are there is some data that suggest that you should not do progesterone early. No, that you should be on estrogen for at least a year or possibly two before putting progesterone into your resume because early on it can delay breast development. So because in cis girls, progesterone will come later. Estrogen is first and then progesterone will come later. And it is suggested um, that it aids breast development at that point, whereas it does not early on. Yeah, and so a good one too to discuss, and I've heard this term before, is tube boob. Yes, tube boob, pointy boobs. Right. And, you know, Conical boobs. Exactly. And so. And progesterone is known to help that alleviate it. Right. So it's, I think it's important that we mention that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, it, it, people really have to realize and understand that if you're going to do stuff, you know, and I, I would prefer even to say this that I, you know, for individuals out there, um, you know, if you can get something over the counter <clears throat> in a hormonal basis, it's going to be much safer and better than what you could do with naturals. Yes, naturals, first of all, phytoestrogen, they will just give you a taste of what the real stuff will do. You might get some sensitive nipples, you might get some softer skin. But that's about as far as you're going to go. Mm-hmm. And you have to take a pretty good dose to get that. And you're going to be probably spending more money 
on the natural phytoestrogens than you would on bioidentical hormones. Mm-hmm. So for bang for buck, the real stuff is so much better for you. Healthy, right. more healthier just because they're natural, you know, these supplements, phytoestrogens, you can still kill yourself with them if you take oh, them too much. Yeah. And I mean, when you take a look at the naturals out there too and everything, it's uh, you got like watch. black cohosh. Yes. You're really not supposed to take that more than three weeks at a time because of the liver damage it can do. Yeah. And, and that was what I was going to actually bring up was the fact that uh, the other thing that people should take a look at too as well is, um, you know, when you take uh, pills, um, you, it's processed by the liver immediately. Um, another, and that's mm-hmm. another reason why I think, uh, especially if you're... Uh, season shall we say um that the job is much safer and much better for you um purely because yeah. of the fact that it's 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 topical it's going to get soaked into the skin and move through the system that way instead of having to be right yeah at least yeah. through the transdermal is, is basically identical to injections it goes to the same route yes uh, also annually suppositories will do the same thing okay so those are three different avenues of getting hormones into your body that are very very similar in their um, effect and also the levels that you get from using them so uh, oral is probably the least effective of those four Mm -hmm. so when we talk though too about progestogen um, the uh, way that we take it can also be a determiner as to how quickly it can get in the system what it can do and all that so let's just let's just say it this way we can do it in two ways we can put it in our mouths or we can put it in another orifice and do it that way they are vertically opposite of each other they are vertically opposite of each other but i think um does one necessarily is one necessarily better than the other yes i think anal is better you'll get better levels out of it um you don't get the sedative effect when you do it suppository-wise, because when it goes through the liver on the first path from the digestive um, viewpoint, uh, metabolites from the liver cause the sedative effect. That's why you get sleepy. They want you to take it at night because you'll get sleepy from it passing through the liver and it only takes like 30, 40 minutes for that effect to start to occur. Whereas if you use it as a suppository, you will not get that. Correct. Because it's not going to the liver the first time like it does from an oral dose. Right. Anything that we take. And you get more of it. Yeah. Anything that we take uh, orally has to be processed through the liver very, very quickly. So it's something that people should be aware of. Same goes for estrogen. If you take two milligrams of estrogen, you're going to have a certain blood serum level. And if you do that suppository-wise, you're going to have a higher serum level than you would orally even though you're taking the same dose because you're not digesting correct the estrogen or the progesterone is because you don't when you mm-hmm. uh, stick it up sure. the back door yeah. <laughs> yes up the old you know who so um <laughs> so those are the suggestions on that with the progesterone and that too um when we look at changes if like, you have long pointy fingernails you might want to be careful yeah so when we talk about all of this kind of stuff and everything, obviously, I think it's really important you are taking a drug, a medication. You should be very aware of what the potential side effects would be. For do your homework. Yeah, do your homework. Do your yeah, research. For interactions between supplements and other medications, which is usually done online. 
And just because it's a supplement that you buy over the counter doesn't mean it won't interact with some prescription that you may have that is not hormonally related. Yes, that's one of the big factors too. So if you're going to do this, and that's where I always say that even if you do not have a doctor and you are doing blood tests, uh, you can get the blood test done online. You can put in the test and, and then you can also notify the doctors when you do your blood tests what things you are on so that they get an understanding too as to what it is. And I mean, it is going to be a little bit more expensive depending on where you are. I think in Canada for certain tests, uh, if you're going outside of the healthcare system, it's around 185 bucks for a blood test. Uh, well, it depends on what, what's in your blood test. If you're just running E2, which is just it's estrogen. Just, yeah, it's just estrogen. Not E1 or E3. There are three estrogens. That's um, right. want to run for E2. Um, it's generally about 50 bucks. Yeah. I, if you just run that. Yeah, I've searched it on, in Canada, and uh, it's still about that 180 bucks. In just for it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. And you can get a combination, too, of... Uh, three or four different tests for a package deal. They actually, and I mean, it's it's silly. That yeah, it's like package deal. If you can get a package deal for the same amount of money, go for the package deal. Yeah, get exactly. Because then more thing. Yeah, you get a, an overall idea of what's going on. Right. So, you know, right. that's, that's important too. Uh, changes we've kind of talked about a couple of changes. Obviously, with breast uh, um, tissue development through estrogen. We've talked about the progesterone, what potentially could be the changes. Like we say, it's libido, it's uh, energy building, the, uh, you know, potentially some breast development there. Uh, we've kind of touched on all of those. Uh, you know, we've looked at it as well. We know that estrogen does help build uh, the breast tissue. It creates more translucent skin, brings the fat up to the, the skin uh, a little thin bit more. your skin out. It does thin your skin out. Your skin thinner. Mm -hmm. Shows more wrinkles. It does. Now, here's you one. You touch yourself, thinner yeah. skin, scratch. You can, I'm sorry, draw blood when you're scratching a scratch, which is first time I did it, it's like, what the hell? Oh, yes. Bruising is <laughs> much know? easier. Uh, yeah. Oh, like you can, God. Yeah, that was at yeah. varicose veins. You'll see varicose veins such more oh, readily. Yeah. And you'll yeah. get them more readily being a girl now. Um, changes in the face. That changes in the face can be significant. You'll lose, you know, the manly jowl, jowl, jowls, say that word right, jowls, you know, the broad, broadness around the lower face. Uh, you look at men, they tend to kind of go out from about midpoint here, the, it, it more rounded out, whereas women will get that kind of V shape coming down to the chin, that feminine look. That's why you see witches are always caricatured with a real very pointy, pointy, pointy chin, chin yeah. that, you know, yeah. very exaggerated feminine look, the pointy yeah. chin. Yeah. Uh, hormones feminize your face. Yes, it so is. most trans women will get that. I didn't get that as much because as I was talking to Nikki early, I have dimples. Dimples kind of preclude some of that because of the structural defect that occurs uh, in the cheek, yeah. which is very disappointing. I think it's quite the cheek development that a lot of trans women get, and you'll see that nice sort of demarcation that comes down at the exterior of the yeah, cheeks. Just, yeah, just below the cheekbones. Yeah, just yeah, below the cheekbones. Just, just below the cheekbone kind of hulls out. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, women like I who have dimples that people just find adorable, yeah. and I don't. Yeah. Um, I would trade for a nice, nice. Uh, 
Yes, and I got lucky because I have a very narrow face coming all the way down, very much a V, and then I've got very yes, much bones. So mm-hmm. that, that's fortunate. So two other changes that people might not be aware of. Um, for myself personally, hair color. Yes, which is that unusual. That is something that I don't know if too many people know. Now, again, um, with my hair, uh, prior to the time of transition, if you've ever seen my before pics, they're horrible and horrifying and all of those kinds of things. No, but not. I was totally so gray like hair. Your brother. Yeah, I, I had total gray hair, like absolutely totally gray, everything. And that's why I, you know, off, off topic, took two and a third years of electrolysis to get rid of all of my face hair. And that was at three hours a week, which was brutal. But anyway, getting back on topic, um, my hair has actually gone back to what its original color was, which That's of course I'm blonde and a, and kind of a light, kind of a light ashy blonde. ashy blonde, and that's kind of been my natural color. So um, it was a real benefit that way. But that was uh, something that had occurred I would have never thought of before mm-hmm. I started going on hormones. That that was there was that possibility. The other one, which is something that you had mentioned prior to the show, was your eyes had changed. Yeah, go wider. And, and they did go wider. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which Much is really, wider. Yeah, which is really interesting because it's not something that we, another thing that we just don't talk about. And people don't even really realize or notice uh, that their eyes do start to change. And I would have to say that mine have also changed uh, in that way as well. Maybe subtly, but... And because obviously it changes, the changes are slow. So when you're staring in the in the mirror, and you're, sure. You but know, when you when you look at before and after pictures, definitely like before transition hormones. Look at, I mean, it's like my God. I know it's very noticeable in mine. I got like you know, little squinty eyes, and then it's like you know three times as wide now. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say too, because in my before pictures, whenever and when I would look at my eyes uh, at all before. I had same idea as you, very squinty, very kind of shallow eyes. Uh, now, uh, it just feels like everything has got depth to it, uh, you know. So uh, those, are, those are two big changes. Um, yeah, my eyes now look like they did before I went through puberty. Yeah, so you have those big, beautiful blues that you got. Yeah, it's like looking at my eyes because I've looked at, you know, pictures of me when I was little, like four years old. And my eyes are the same now as they were back then but looking at them when i was a teenager or you know 30s 40s or whatever they weren't like this at all Mm -hmm. very very different it's very very striking even to me uh it's like wow did not expect that i did not get a change in hair color uh i also didn't get increased hair as you know this this is a wig that i wear um, it's a, a topper. Uh, it's half a wig. My my hair is here. Yeah, the original stuff in the back. Wig. And I dye it to match. Yeah, so it looks totally. Otherwise, I'm white and gray. Yeah. <laughs> Very white. Cotton in places, actually. Cotton, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Some women, especially if you start young, if you bald early, like in your 20s or whatever, if you go on hormones before you're 40, there's a damn good chance you will get a lot of regrowth of your hair. I know at least two or three trans women that got all their hair back. And that's funny. That they went on hormones in their 20s and 30s. 
Yeah, because that's something that um, was surprising to me because I've got another girlfriend that's down in Seattle um, and the Spokane area. And uh, she has actually said that she was, you know, starting to recede. Um, she's been on hormones now, I think. What did she say about, uh, I think she's about 15, 16 months or something like that. And she's like, wow, when I look at my hair, it, she's got all of these brand new hairs, you know, growing out in places where she was totally bald. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is hope for those individuals that are receding hair with receding you, hairlines. You should tell her to use Rogaine because she is seeing regrowth just on estrogen. She needs to use Rogaine to enhance the process. Right. That's what Dr. Powers, William Powers, who's a, a doctor in Michigan who has done a lot of work with trans women, has a lot of data uh, on trans women and affects hormones of like almost 2,000 trans patients. And he says that, you know, if you're starting to see regrowth, uh, Rogaine will enhance the process and help you regain uh, the hair that you have lost. Right. So that is, that is, that is something to try. It's inexpensive. It's easy. Well, and that's and a huge thing. It's a hell out of wearing wigs. Yeah. And, and, and of course, obviously that's a huge thing. So people do take into account that. Uh, other yeah. And it has very minimal side effects. You can get generic versions of that over the counter. Um, it's certainly worth trying. Yeah. So other changes that we take a look at too, that one of them being, so uh, I think we've covered our hormones, uh, the progesterone, um, obviously blockers. I think we've, or, you know, trans, uh, testosterone blockers and that sort of thing. Um, you know, Which we, estrogen is the best estrogen uh, blocker yeah. there is. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that where, as you know, um, I made sure that my testosterone levels stayed high because of my surgeries before, and I wanted to get a bunch of my surgeries done before GRS. But you're weird anyway, so. I, I know I'm weird, but I do some really strange shit. But the thing is, I get some really good results out of my really strange your, shit. Your boys were very productive. Yes, they were. Very, very productive. Uh, and stubborn. Very stubborn. Damn it. Oh gosh, yes. They uh, they were totally stubborn, but um, I, I did. I gave up the coast quite early. <laughs> yes. Well, I I mean when I take a look at it, it was good for me purely because of the healing factors and everything else that the testosterone did for me. And yeah, I, yeah, was, yeah. I was grateful that you know uh, that was about the only bloody thing that the testosterone poison was actually working and paying off for me. Um, so well, you know, once they were gone, your testosterone levels. Plumba did pretty freaking quick after surgery. So I don't know how much benefit you had from your high testosterone well, levels prior to getting those snipped off. Yes, but the thing is, I did do all of my breast augmentation. I did all of my facial surgeries. Yeah, I yeah, that, that yeah. But the, and that but was the, the reason why I did it. You know, but as soon the as down the down under one. Yeah. The well, down, down under one. Yeah, that was just my. The down under one. Yes, uh, definitely a, a different uh, different ball of wax there for sure. Okay, and, so and both you and I had some interesting hormonal fluctuations following our GRS. Yes, that is that was not expected to talk about. Yeah, um, because it was quite significant changes, and we're still actually yeah. even right at this point being at, trying to figure it out. I know, and I mean, I'm already what I'm 13 months. 
just I'm going on uh, 13 months now for mine. You yeah, are um, what, 17, 15, months? 16. 16 months? No, okay. And the weird, the weird thing is our hormone levels. 17 keep, months. Yeah. yeah. So we, we're fluctuating right now. Both. Yeah. And being, being on the same dose. And that's exactly. one thing I you know, talk to my endocrinologist about. It's like my levels, you know, 400, 350, 500, you know, blah, 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 blah just for like two years. And then I had surgery. And my first test done afterwards showed that my levels were 800. Same dose. Mm-hmm. Same dose. She had me drop down. And then on it, it was 600. And then she had me drop it down and it went to 70. And we're trying to get it back to in the 400s. Uh, and it's been a it's been a real hit and miss process. And she just admitted to me. She goes, I don't know. I don't know why I did this. It's like, well, that's kind of important. And this is from my endocrinologist who didn't seem to be terribly concerned. It's like, what? Why did snipping my gonads off have such a huge effect on my estrogen level on the same dose post-surgery? When I was producing practically no tea anyway, what else? What else was going on? That's a very good question. And so you know, my situation, which then we're going to show the exact opposite, because after mm-hmm. my GRS, I plummeted. I was like on my standard normal stuff, everything was good, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, I'm at like sixty-five. What is going on here? I'm on the same dose, and I've had to pump up three times now. And then I got, and so what I've done is before, and I'm obviously on the uh, the topicals. Um, so I'm doing, I was doing one, I was doing two pumps one day, one pump the next day, and I was sitting right in the range at about three eighty five to four twenty five on average with all of the blood tests that I was doing. As soon as I had my GRS, boom, I plummeted into the dirt. Uh, no understanding, you know, I, and same with me, I go to my endocrinologist and he's, he's looking like, hold it, wait a minute, there's, what's going on here? Uh, this yeah. might be a bad test or something. And so I went immediately again, uh, you know, two days later and got the test done again. And yep, sure enough, that was the case. So then I pumped up to, uh, he, he had me come up and he, he says, okay, well, I want you to do two pumps a day. Let's see where you're at. I came up to 200. Okay. Um, now I have uh, gone up to two, three pumps one day, two pumps the next day, and then my next set of tests is going to be on April first. So we're not even sure where we're going. I'm going to be at yet at this point either. But 200 to the 225, 250 is just too low. Um, you know, we want to yeah. be in around that 400. Our biggest difference between us is that before you had high T. Yes, I did. And I had low T. Yeah. Whereas our dosages were somewhat similar. And so there, that's kind of weird that, you know, when your T plummeted because of surgery, removing the boys, uh, your E went to hell. Whereas removing mine, where I had no T, mine's got way high. That, I mean, there's something there, something related to the T. 
and why would have that effect opposite in both of us. Yeah, it's, it's really odd. You know? It is very odd. Uh, it's hard to put a pinpoint on it. Obviously, as we know, there's not enough research out there to really try to understand this kind of stuff yet. Hopefully that, uh, you know, they start to do a lot more research on this, start to do a lot more testing uh, to see where exactly where we are as trans women and what, what the heck is going on. Um, because we, that's right. the thing. So, we, so we, we actually, you know, when we talk about this, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I do public speaking in front of, you know, universities do numerous things with doctors and everything else. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've had that answer is where I don't know. I don't know. You know, I and, mean, that's what I got for my endocrinologist. I don't know. know. She didn't really seem it's, concerned even. I was like, well, it's not doing you any harm, so who cares? Right. That, that was the feeling I had. And it's like, well, fuck that shit. I'm sorry. No, it could do me harm. Right. We don't know it's not going to do me harm. So just what the fuck? <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. This is not what I expected. I kind of like, I didn't expect. I wasn't producing, frankly, any tea. Why cutting my gonads off would have this effect? What else is going on? You know, what sort of biofeedback mechanism is doing this? Either it's affecting my liver metabolism of estrogen, as like all of a sudden and I'm not metabolizing estrogen as I was before, thus leading the level much higher. I was like, I'm thinking there's probably some tests you can run to check out the metabolism you know, metabolism of the estrogen in me now versus what it was before. But, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not important enough to do that. And, of course, they don't have the time to be able okay. to put into us to find out the information that, that we require as individuals. That's what, you bad. know, if I was in, independently is. wealthy, I could just have all kinds of tests running on this shit. You know, I would probably. Because mm-hmm. I'm a scientist at heart, and uh, data is the answer to every fucking thing i'm sorry you get enough data you can figure shit out and we have so that's what is so wonderful about i'm gonna plug dr william powers again because this man has put in the time look at the data he has some great um observations he's really thinking about things observing all these trends in us and figuring a bunch of shit out that other doctors just, yeah, whatever. Four milligrams a day is good for you. Who cares? And he is looking at stuff that's going on. Um, I've given his his observation and data to my endocrinologist, and she has used some of it in treating me. And I would suggest to any trans man or woman out there on hormones to look at his data and his information. He has a wonderful PowerPoint that he has on his Facebook uh, page that you can download. And it is a great, great resource for your doctor to look at and read because it is written for medical personnel. He has some great, wonderful, vetted information there that is very, very valuable uh, in the medical treatment of any trans woman or man out there. Yeah, so we definitely have to give uh, Dr. Powers a plug on that. 
you know, mm-hmm. so maybe we can convince him to do a podcast with us at some point in time. Oh, that would be, yeah. Now there's an idea. Oh. Gee, I come up with those on occasion every once in a while. I get a good idea, whatever. I know. Shit, we're going to give you a gold star for the day. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I think that's that's <laughs> grand. So we've, we've talked about, I think, yeah, we've talked a lot about hormones. We've talked a lot about the changes in that. I can't, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, tendons, cartilage, all of those types of things between bone mass are going to change. All those connected tissues. You know, which, which brings us to the next one, pelvic Uh-oh. tilt. Oh, my God. I knew that was coming. Yeah, so there you go. Pelvic tilt. Now, this is something that nobody talks about or very rarely talks about. Uh, I'm going to give yeah, a... You want me to explain how this came up? Well, I was going to say I want to give a shout-out to Kinsey, who uh, was writing oh, the paper, did, a, yeah. did a little bit of a uh, write-up uh, in regards to this. So, Kenzie, thank you so much. She's on Twitter if you want to follow her. Um, but the pelvic tilt. And when we talk about this, you've had an experience with it. I've had an experience with it now um, being post-op over a year. The changes for me um, is basically a lot of lower back. I have had a lot of lower back pain that I didn't have before and was trying to figure out what the heck was going on in a lot of that downward area, um, trying to figure that out. And then, you know, I mean, I'm finding now um, not as a significant uh, a feeling as what Terry had gone through, but I have felt change. And now when I look at myself in the mirror, I seem to have a much more pronounced pelvic tilt which is something that was like fascinating to me because it was like, well, when did this happen? Because all of a sudden my ass just seemed to grow another two inches or inch and a half (laughs) protrusion. And I was like, damn, I'm looking sweet kind of thing. Right. Kardashian booty. All right. Yeah, no, we're not getting to tabletop booty. That's for sure. (laughs) We're not there yet putting the wine glasses on. Oh no, no wine glass. Oh, well, you know, but uh, you know, well, I'm working on it. Okay. You know, uh, but you know, and in your case, give us an explanation. You were in the shower and all of a sudden everything kind of shifted. I, mean, I was just taking a normal shower and really hadn't had any issues with my lower back or any indications of, you know, enhancement down there. And um, I just stretched a little bit under the hot water and all of a sudden my lower back just more. And it wasn't the lower back, it was more in the pelvis. It just felt like my whole and her pelvis just moved and shifted. It was the weirdest feeling I ever had. It wasn't. It hurt, but it didn't hurt. It was just a, just really weird. And it took me a moment. I was like, "Holy shit!" Just it just kind of settled down, and the pain went away. But I was sore down there for like three or four days in the muscular. Uh, especially in the muscles surrounding my pelvic bones and whatnot, something shifted, something moved. And that's what, you know, caused me to look up the pelvic tilt because I had read about that before uh, early on in transition, that that was the thing that would occur in trans women under hormones that generally did it more than parts. Younger ones, all the younger ones always get their results and you do. Um, but it also, you know, reading about things that occur over time, even in older trans women as well, under the influence of hormones, you know, our pelvis really goes female. Now, you're not going to get the width uh, that a, a young 
cis girl or even a young trans girl will get going on hormones early on that they will get hip growth and and whips and the tilt that a normal natal girl gets. Uh, but we apparently do get that with time. It takes longer for us. And uh, I definitely had a shift. You know, as a geologist, it was kind of like a tectonic shift in my lower region. And um, it definitely just looking in the mirror appears that, you know, uh, <laughs> definitely kind of popped out a little bit in the posterior. So um, something, something did shift and it, it did hurt. Not, not just, you know, like an eight or nine pain, but it was around five for about, you know, four or five minutes and, and gave me pause to just like stand there for a little bit going, what the fuck was that? Right. And, you know, the scientist in me has to go look it up. So, yeah, um, so basically, uh, very, very intriguing and interesting. You know, I'm 17 months post op. And so this occurred. And I've been on hormones five years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, as they say, your mileage may vary and your mileage may change over time. Uh, so things do come and things don't happen. Everything just does not happen in the first year or two on hormones. So don't think you're two and done and that's it. And nothing else is going to happen to you. And that it don't work that way. Well, like I say, transition is a, is a game of patience. I mean, you can be transitioning for five, seven years, eight years. Uh, well, you know, just like on, on breast, you know, cis girls take, you know, can be five, seven years to get full, full maturation on breast growth. Mm-hmm. And us trans women, you know, we, we think we're done in two years. Uh, and it don't it don't work that way, you know. I've read of many trans women who have had breast augmentation early, and then uh, later on down the road they get <laughs> a substantial growth burst, and uh, they're going back to have their breast augmentation taken out because now they're just way too big. And I hope sincerely that that does not happen to you, Nikki. Um, but it is known to occur. So always think about that and make sure that you've been on hormones for a while before seeking out augmentation just in case. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> when I look at it, I still have a little bit of room. So I'm hoping that everything's going to be. Well, it was funny, too, because it was one of the reasons that I, I went with the uh, breast uh, implant size of 325, which yeah. when people hear that, they think that's small. Uh, you know, yeah, that's not are like, huge. Oh, it's really not. Want, yeah. You know, there's lots of girls out there that are pushing four and five hundreds and say, oh. you know, and it's like, holy smoke. Well, I know. And the thing is, though, too, is, is that when you get that large, uh, you know, uh, that's going to be just a difficult way to be able to. Uh, walk causes creates a lot of issues, back problems, all sorts of things that you know. Oh yeah, I mean, people and take take be aware of. I had a, I had a brother that was trans, became my sister, and she passed away in two thousand and eight. And it's a very surreal thing to read your siblings' autopsy. But of course, the science brain comes out in my head, and, and you can like 
have an out-of-body experience reading such a thing, but her breasts <laughs> were measured. I didn't know they would do such a thing in autopsy. I know they did your brain, but I didn't know they mm. do your boobs. Each of her breasts were 1,500 cc's. Wow. No breast augmentation. That's unreal for that type of growth. She had, and she was flat as a pancake prior. Mm-hmm. Okay, she was in her, she was in her twenties, early thirties, when she transitioned. I think she had GRS when she was thirty-two and had the same surgeon you did, yes. Um But I was amazed at her breast size. I really was. Yeah, it is a shock. To the amazing when you hear about it. it. Yeah. yeah, you know that's yeah. something that I, that you you don't expect, and that's one of the things that people have to realize. You know, it's a leader and a half for y'all people that don't know what CCs are. Yeah, a leader, a leader and, and, a and a half. That's a uh, quart and a half over a quart and a half of breast tissue. That's a lot. That is a heck of a lot. You know, so again, people, everybody realize, uh, you know, any the changes that you try to make or do, don't get overly carried away because obviously you have to realize that. Yeah, you're rushing to that end, you know, that finish. Your body's not done. Your body is not done. done. change your whole life. It does in cis women. They are not static. No. And neither are we at all under any sense of And not the rest of our bodies either, because even as far along as we are, things still change. Things still move. Things still migrate. I still see changes in my shoulders, in my upper chest. Um, along my abdomen, along the chest, like this area. Um, I've lost a lot in here. Yeah, which is just on the sides of the breast. Yeah, on the sides, here, down along the abdomen, definitely getting concaveness, you know, uh, that was not there before. And even after surgery, uh, things kind of speed up a little bit on the uh, migration of fatty deposits mm-hmm. to your hips and your posterity and from your face and definitely up here above your breast. This this area, lots of change since surgery. Wasn't it? I didn't realize that would happen and really read about that and it's like mm-hmm. holy shit. <laughs> I know it's it's surprising because uh, same thing with me. I've lost an, uh, a, quite a bit just right under my uh, rib cage, just where mm-hmm. my ribs are. That's where I yeah. found a significant amount of had uh, had just all of a sudden. Where'd that all go? <laughs> it was just like holy crap! Where did that go? And you don't see uh, you don't like seeing weight change, but you see flesh change. Yes, distribution change, and and so yeah. that's that's obviously a big one. And then when we talk about that, that, the other significant one is the pelvic tilt that not too many people talk about or even understand. No, no, I I mean I had read about it early on, like I said, but I didn't think about that occurring at this point. And then that little pop or whatever it was I had in the shower, it was very, you know, kind of woke me up, you know. Um, that was funky. Yeah, it so that's scared, always scared me for a second. You know, I was like, "Oh my god, am I going to be able to move?" But I just throw my back out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should I be know? calling an ambulance right now? <laughs> I know. Or, like, am uh, I going to get to be able to get out of the shower? Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, but I was okay, and I didn't. I really didn't notice 
anything detrimental afterwards other than being sore, muscular. And obviously, things had moved enough to stretch the muscles to a point that they were sore, which was just like, okay, what the fuck moved? You know? um, that was, that was, yeah, I'll probably bring it up to my endocrinologist next, next visit. Like, okay, <laughs> it's explained it. Yes, uh, I know it's going to be on the list of the other 31 things that you cannot explain at this point, but let's just yeah, I know. Let's it anyway, just, and hopefully... Whatever, so probably just look at me and go, I don't know. Uh, yeah. you know uh, probably so, wouldn't want to bring it up to other trans patients because she didn't want to put that into their head. Well, no, she doesn't want to because, yeah, that's that psychological thing, right? I oh, just cycles like a sugar pill, you know, it's just going to make, make it happen or something. Yeah. Gosh, you know, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I'm 18 years old. I'm going to go to the restaurant, grab some sugar cubes and down them. And guess what? I'm going to turn into a girl. (laughs) Wow, that would be just like so cool if I could do that. Um, Not bloody. Yeah, I prayed for that a lot. I did do that. Miracle. I can't remember how many times I dropped that, that I could just go and take something and just a magic pill and have that. And then it would just change. Yeah, I think that's like so common with us. Yeah. To like just either be magically changed or take a pill and changed or just anything that would make us what we are, you know, the whole matrix thing kind of, you know. Oh, yes, the matrix. We've been down that road a few times, that's for sure. Yes, we have. Yes. Indeed. Well, that uh, I think we've covered everything tonight that we wanted to, so that kind of concludes the show. I think uh, we'll... Uh, Pick, be picking up some other topics that uh, are interesting, trying to get something um, people aren't quite aware of with what we go through through our Absolutely. We don't want to keep you know? people on their toes, keep them guessing, never know what the hell might come out of our mouths. God, yeah. Well, gee, I think they are. Well, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, even, I you know, to be honest, I don't even really know what's going to come out of our mouths at one point or another. So I don't know, but I like that. that. So, I like in no script and that it being raw, which is what we're about, that we want to be like a conversation that you have with your friends at the coffee shop or uh, wherever you might be, that it be fresh and it not be scripted and you don't know where we might go or what yeah. tangent we're going to go off of. But we always want to make it informative and to leave you more knowledgeable than you were when you first tuned in. Yeah, and it was and it, it was funny too when we when you had mentioned that uh, because there was actually a one uh, listener that commented on that and said and said, um, "Do you guys live in the same place? Like, do you go where do you go and talk together?" And I'm going like, "Well, we're like on two opposite ends of the continent, basically." And she was just like totally thousand miles high. apart or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it, yeah exactly. You know, so. Um, and that's the whole intent of the show is to make sure that it's real and we screw up and we do this and we do that. And we have, you know, our little round table, as we call it here um, and that. Um, so a couple of things. At some so, point, we will meet in the flesh. We will meet in real life. Yeah. We and then, then watch out because then the shit's really going to hit the back <laughs> coming right now. She's. But uh, yeah, so. <laughs> You know, I, I'm, we're grateful that you guys are listening and everything. Uh, we will have, uh, as you know, I am doing a couple of daytime shows too on that. And uh, hopefully Terry is able to continue on uh, doing 
a lot more of the guest uh, or uh, the calling on it. Here it says, yes, I'm a guest. I thought I was a primary. Well, I, I brought that because I was trying to give you the little bit of a hard rub there because I haven't seen you for so bloody long, you know. And I, I know, I know. It's almost like so guest. I know. I'm, I'm guesting on my own show. Yeah, that's right. That's, you know, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> but we will we have some guests, right? We want you to be a permanent resident, okay? We want to have some guests. Guest yeah. Okay, so that's right. Definitely Absolutely. Yes, good. All right. You've heard it from the blonde Southern Bell's mouth that she is now going yeah. to be on shows majority of the time instead of taking these vacations that she likes to take. Oh, yeah. Life happens. It's not Oh, that. yes. You know. Uh, anyway, so have yourself a good evening, everyone. And uh, we really appreciate you listening to our show. And we will be back with yes, another talk raw. Yeah. We love our listeners. Yes. All right, girls. Ciao. Not y'all. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by transgenderlifecoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for these girls to split the scene. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw with a special edition Saturday morning with our guest, Jessica Holiday. Oh yeah!